G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. A different sort of a conversation over this next hour about a significant and rising global figure who has struck a chord with an entire generation, especially young men. He's described as the professor turned pop psychologist turned political pundit and lifestyle guru. Lots of international performers are once again filling concert halls and stadiums. And while our immediate thoughts turn to musicians or pop stars or comedians, there is one international phenomenon who will be arriving in Australia in November who will sell out the biggest arenas around the nation talking about rules for life. A conversation today about Jordan Peterson the public intellectual, clinical psychologist and international best-selling author. He's recently issued a message to the Christian churches. You might have seen it on YouTube or on your favourite social media. Well, some are saying, be cautious, while others embrace wholeheartedly what appears to be deep wisdom about surviving life. Christian cultural commentator Bill Muhlenberg has been writing about Jordan Peterson this past week and he's joining us for a longer conversation today about Jordan Peterson's many dimensions and a message to the Christian churches that was released just recently. Bill Muhlenberg, a special welcome back to 2020. Many thanks, Neil. Great to be back. You've been writing about Jordan Peterson, Bill. Let's start with, though, something very important for a conversation that we might have in this conversation we have each week. Is the jury still out on whether he has officially converted to Christianity? Yes, well, it seems it is, especially if you simply consider what he has said. It seems he's not sure where he's at. There's no question he's on a journey, a spiritual journey. There's no question he's becoming more open uh, to Christianity. There's no question he said he's foolishly been an atheist, which he now has left behind him. So those are all good signs, good encouraging things. And of course, he's taught from the Bible over the years, uh, more from a psychological point of view and all that, of course. So um, the short answer, I think Peterson himself would say, I don't know if I'm a Christian. And so uh, best we can say, we don't know either. Now, a few qualifying remarks here before we go further. Of course, at the end of the day, only God fully knows the human heart. Only God knows those who are truly his. So in that sense, we don't judge. But there's other things we can look for, both verbal profession of faith and signs of a changed life. So, um, you know, we'll maybe get into this later, but some even, well, as you say, some extremes here. Some think he's the best thing since sliced cheese. Others, especially some evangelicals and others say, oh, stay away, he's dangerous, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Uh, 
So if you're looking as an evangelical to hear all the common rhetoric that you would, you know, oh, I'm born again, my sins have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus on Calvary, all that kind of talk uh, that we're not getting so far out of Peterson. Uh, But again, that doesn't mean, you know, he isn't a Christian, or at least he's not using our evangelical lingo. Uh, God may well be at work in his life, and he may... He may have his foot in the door already. I just don't know. So the main thing I always do whenever I discuss him, and hopefully your listeners will take the same thing away from all this, let's pray for him. Uh, Plenty of critics, plenty of others, but let's pray that if he is on a journey and if he's not there yet into a full relationship with Christ, well, let's pray that it happens. Uh, That's a very important point that may come up some more in our conversation. Uh, No matter what you think of him, pray for him. Uh, He majors on improving yourself, uh, the psychology of religion and mythology. Uh, He is an expert on the psychology of religion. And uh, I wonder whether, Bill, you've got a thought here. Just because you're an intellectual, just because you know lots of things about the Bible and about history and about psychology and human behavior, uh, is that enough to be a convert to Christianity? Well, once again, and so many of these things, I keep saying we need to avoid the unbiblical extremes, and you certainly have both extremes here, right? You have plenty of great intellectuals, great minds, people who are just sharp as a tack, and you just think, wow, that's amazing. And yet, of course, they're hardcore atheists or, you know, unbelievers or really hate on uh, Christianity. I mean, easy enough to come up with plenty of those kind of names of people who, brilliant men and women, but sadly have missed the mark, the most important thing there is. And, of course, the other side is any, you know, not to be demeaning in any way, but any Joe Plummer or Joe uh, Street Sweeper or Joe Janitor, right? Anybody who's got almost zero education can and do come to Christ uh, regularly. So, uh, you know, on the one hand, you don't have to be a genius. You don't have to have a Ph.D. to come to Christ. No, by any means. But on the other hand, God can use the uh, ordinary, the simple, as he says, Paul says in 1 Corinthians. So, but again, we don't want to go too far on all of this. The fact that God does choose the, you know, those who are regarded as fools in the world doesn't mean we shouldn't rejoice when all kinds of people get saved. Just look at a fantastic mind, an incredible genius, like, say, C.S. Lewis, right? He... Hated on God. He was an atheist. Thankfully, God pursued him. He finally gave in, and he became probably the greatest Christian apologist of last century and would have helped millions of people on the way. So we don't sneeze at the fact that when a a great intellect comes to know the Lord, that's a good thing. But again, we rejoice just as much at the lowly janitor that nobody's ever heard of. And, uh, you know, we're thankful for all conversions. Although, of course, some will have a bit more of a impact than others, but in God's eyes, right, it's that one sheep out of a hundred, 
you find that one that's lost and there's rejoicing in heaven. Of course, there's lots of hints in those sorts of clips that you might see on YouTube uh, that indicate his belief in God. And uh, there's an interesting issue there, too, because if all of your upbringing and shaping has been along the lines of a even secular psychologism, then you don't really dump those things from your past, but perhaps they need a, a, a transformation along the way from a point of belief, a point of receiving that grace from God. So the things that shape the thinking of any of us, uh, those things that shaped us before conversion, those things do actually shape who we are and what we will believe. Yes, very good point. And two quick replies to that one. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Uh, Who we are often, well, God made us who we are. so Peterson, of course, a behavioral psychologist, especially into the uh, work of Jung. Uh, I'm not an expert on psychology, but if I had a slightly toss-up who's better, at least in terms of some kind of Christian worldview, you'd take Jung over Freud. But oh, both are, of course, uh, going down various tracks, which are not, at the end of the day, anywhere near fully biblical. So if and when Peterson does become a Christian, he'll need to readjust his thinking. We're not telling him, as you suggested, we just he has to abandon everything that he's done for the last 40 years or whatever. He has to give up on psychology. He has to throw all of his books by Freud and others out the window. However, he does have to recalibrate. He does have to think radically about, okay, how does my newfound biblical worldview How does that look at everything that I used to believe and think and teach and speak on? Uh, Second thing more personal would be my own story, right? Uh, Anybody who knows a bit about me knows, oh, well, one of the things I do is I write a bit. (laughs) I've got a website. Uh, I think if my calculations are right in about two months from now, I'll have penned my 6,000th article. Uh, keeps me off the street, 6,000 pieces. Uh, so where'd that come from? I mean, I didn't get saved till I was 18, but guess what I was doing as a pagan, as a wild hippie, as a member of the counterculture, shaking my fist at God and the authorities and wanting to burn it all down. Guess what I was doing? I was writing back then as a teenager. I edited an underground newspaper. I had a little gift for reading, writing, research. So I would say God put that gifting and talent in me, uh, even as Joe Pagan, as Bill Pagan. (laughs) And then when I got saved at 18, God said, okay, maybe temporarily you can let it go. And by the way, I did. I took all of my books to the city incinerator and got rid of them. I had to make a clean break from all my past. But you ought to see my library now, right? (laughs) It's a very big library. And some of the books I burned, I thought, oh, I wish I would have saved a few of those. So the point is, God can take us as he made us. And then once we get right with him, he can redeem everything. He can redeem our personality, our gifts, our talents, and then use them for him in his glory. Sure, God might take some non-Christian, give him completely new talents and gifts, but often he uses what he put in him in the first place. So I'd say the same about Jordan Peterson. 
Uh, if he becomes a Christian, he can use his great mind, his learning in psychology, his real concern to help people, especially young men. And by the way, he really has helped a lot of people. And that's another chat we can have about common grace. God can use pagans even to get some good outcomes. So, yeah, he, he may need a break. He may need to go in the wilderness for a while like Saul did and kind of unlearn some things and relearn others. But hopefully God will use his talents, his gifts, and his learning and background as well. So a little analysing of Jordan Peterson today, and who knows, Bill, next week we might have to have a deconstruction analysis of Bill Muhlenberg, so uh, you've got to be careful what you say, haven't you? Hey, one commentator says uh, he called Peterson's message to the Christian churches straight talk from a crooked foundation. Another says his message to the churches is veering well outside his lane, We might talk about some of those things, but he's written a couple of very significant best-selling books, Bill. I know you have both of them. Uh, First one, 12 Rules for Life, an Antidote to Chaos. And uh, we'll talk about his second one shortly, but uh, but you've, this is the one that really made such a huge impact around the world. Mm. Yeah, well, it's to tie in both your points. as we said, a lot of Christians don't like Peterson. They they think he's dangerous, he's trouble. They say he doesn't talk like a Christian. He's not giving us the full biblical picture. To which my quick and easy response is, well, of course he isn't. He's not yet, as far as we can tell, a Christian. So I wouldn't expect him to talk like a Christian. I wouldn't expect him to have a full biblical worldview. But instead of just being another armchair critic telling us how terrible Peterson is, why don't you spend the same amount of time actually praying for the guy, praying that he does become a Christian. And then, as we say, yeah, then he does the recalibration. Then he does the deconstruction, as you say, Neil. Then he starts to rethink and say, okay, now as a newfound Christian, how does my old Jungian psychology what can stay, what was good, what has to go, because it doesn't line up with Scripture. So that's the direction we'd want to go with him and anybody, I would think. Give him, cut him some slack, for heaven's sakes. If he's not yet a Christian, of course he's not going to talk as a Christian. And if he's a brand new Christian, well, it'll probably take him some time to get things sorted out. We don't expect, and we shouldn't expect, let's say he got saved last Saturday, uh, we shouldn't expect him to be, uh, you know, an Augustine or an Aquinas or a Francis Schaeffer uh, this week. It takes a long time to kind of undo some things and to redo other things that may be of use if they're more properly baptized in the Christian worldview. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might want to join in our conversation as we discuss Jordan Peterson, who actually is coming to Australia later this year. He'll sell out arenas around the nation talking about rules for life. 
And we're talking about Jordan Peterson on a whole lot of different dimensions. You might want to join in our conversation. You might have a question, a comment or a critique. 1-800-316-316. Bill Muhlenberg is our guest, Christian cultural commentator. Bill, let's come to this message to the Christian churches that was released by Jordan Peterson based on some lectures that he delivered back in 2017 and taking what he called a psychological approach to our ancient stories and the majority of the people who watched those lectures were young men in fact he says young men are important winning everything or losing everything may depend on young men and this thought that masculinity is in crisis Uh, what's your impression of the message that he's delivered to the christian churches yeah well once again uh something I've said often, all truth is God's truth, right? If uh, Joseph Stalin tells you that two plus two equals four, guess what? He's speaking truth, regardless of how, you know, despicable a person he was. So a pagan can share truth, uh, limited, of course. They won't have the whole picture. But mind you, even Christians, you and I, have so many decades of being believers, we don't have yet the entire truth. We can still say things that are wrong or unbiblical. So the point is, when Peterson says he's concerned about helping young men, well, that's true, and he's doing it. And he has helped many young men, probably tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, so many come up to him after he speaks and says, you know, I was about to commit suicide, and your words just turned my life around about taking responsibility for my life and so on, you know, not being ashamed of my masculinity, not listening to the the secular left worldview that puts me down. So in that sense, well, what he said was right and good and true. As we keep saying, sure, it's not the whole message. Uh, you know, we want to see him leading people to Christ to really become whole and complete. But this is an important part of the journey for many, uh, simply staying alive, right? Not committing suicide. That's what the enemy wants. He wants to kill off our young men and others. So if Peter sin can help them to not kill themselves, that's a good step. And then hopefully others will lead them to Christ and so on. So in that sense, um, you know, his message to the churches was, Uh, spot on in many ways. He says our churches are not especially being helpful to our young men in particular. Uh, In fact, he says, you guys, you churches, you have to be tending to people's souls, right? Stop getting into all this stupid social justice and all these trendy lefty causes. For heaven's sakes, get back to what matters for a Christian. And to which I say, amen. I would think all of your listeners would as well. Uh, It's the same old story. Uh, Often God's people are not sharing basic truths, so God has to raise up others, right? Balaam's ass would be a pretty obvious example. Uh, Think of Jesus, right, telling his disciples, if you guys are not going to testify about me, guess what? God can raise up these very stones to do that. So I look at a Jordan Peterson as one of God's stones, right? ties in with what we call common grace and the like that God can use non-Christians. He certainly used Rahab, the harlot, right? <laughs> no no indication she was, uh, you know, a child of God as such, but the book of Hebrews lists her among the heroes of the faith, people who did great things. 
So God can use non-Christians. I think he's using Jordan Peterson, and that's why I keep praying, given how influential he is and how much good he's doing. Well, let's let's go the whole way. Let's really be helpful. Let's pray he becomes a Christian, and then while he's helping others, uh, dealing with their self-esteem, their suicidal thoughts, he can also point them to Christ and be the real deal, the whole package kind of counselor, the psychologist that gives you not just the kind of the secular uh, tools that you might need, but the spiritual truths as well. Bill, he has a very, very articulate way of pointing to the problems. It talks about historical guilt on the West. So a uh, a commentary on Western civilization, and even connects that to what we understand biblically as original sin. It says young people feel demoralized, especially young men. It says boys are more boisterous than girls and are admonished, shamed, and controlled around their play. He calls it a damaging ideology, and uh, what you and I perhaps will agree on is that this sort of ideology that's sweeping the West is absolutely damaging, and it has a special mm-hmm. effect on young men. Any thoughts here? Yeah, well, absolutely, and that's, of course, why Peterson became so very famous in the first place, right? At one point, he was just teaching uh, up in Canada, uh, doing his courses, doing his counseling. Nobody heard of him, but then he started taking a stand, a public stand, against a lot of the stupid, uh, you know, secular left ideologies, especially the whole transgender issue. That really put him on the map, right? He said, look, I'm not going to play your games. Men and women are different. Boys and girls are not the same. I am not going to go down that idiotic path and cause more harm than good just because you want to change your pronoun and feel offended if I don't call you by your preferred pronoun. So that's what really made him a you know a superstar in the public arena by t- saying no to the trans madness, saying no to all the PC left wing baloney, of which there's plenty. So that's why a lot of people, including myself, like Peterson. He's a good, solid conservative in that sense. Like I say, I wish he'd be a Christian conservative, but hey, if we can get Joe Pagan to stand against the trans madness and help young men. Well, that's a good start because a lot of churches are not doing it. A lot of pastors have actually caved in to the whole woke baloney about the trans agenda or there's no difference between boys and girls or masculinity is always toxic and has to be resisted. Hey, if you got a lot of the churches going down that line, give me a Jordan Peterson any day of the week over a dozen pastors who simply sold their soul to the woke agenda. He makes some references and biblical theological references too that a society centered on the encouraging, adventurous, masculine spirit and that privileges the divine logos, the something special within humanity. Then he brings in a alternative. He says, what's the alternative? The deconstructionists, mass murderer Karl Marx, and there really are only a few choices that people can make And uh, you can choose God or you can choose this world. If you choose this world, you're probably choosing Karl Marx. That's the sort of thing he tends to be saying here. Yeah, and again, I think he's right. Uh, The options aren't many. 
and that's why he's been moving away quite vocally from his own previous atheism, and he now knows there has to be some kind of God. Sure, he's trying to figure out who this God is, what he's like. There has to be something transcendent. There has to be something beyond us. Otherwise, we're all just uh, in a real bad way indeed. And we'll keep seeing all the host of social pathologies, all the problems we see, especially with young men. Uh, that's just going to get worse. So we've got to do something. And Peterson is searching as well. How can we really help these guys? And his own journey is intertwined with his ability to help others. So again, Pray for those he talks to, but pray for him. Pray that he sees the ultimate truth of who God is and uh, really becomes a force of good uh, when there's so many that are in the opposite camp. And in just a moment, I'm going to play you just a few minutes of the final part of Jordan Peterson's message to the Christian churches. But before we do have a listen into that, uh, one listener who's called through, waiting very patiently, will take the call first. Martin is in Albany in WA. Hi, Martin. Welcome. Good day, Neil, and good day, Bill. Uh, I've listened to um, Jordan Peterson's message to the Christian churches, and I love the way he addresses young men particularly, um, because young men tend to be absent in most churches. What's your thoughts, Bill, on why is it that we seem to lack men in numbers in most churches? Bill, your thoughts? Well, very good question indeed. Uh, in fact, I've written <laughs> articles on my website over the years on certainly related matters. You know, I, I've asked in my title, where are all the men, right? It seems so often... Uh, when you have a great uh, work of God or people are doing things that are really helpful for the kingdom, even the culture wars and so on, uh, quite often it, it seems to be females. No, I've got no problem whatsoever with women. You know, God bless them. Let's get more Christian women doing great things for Christ in the kingdom. But I am kind of scratching my head and saying, well, yeah, where where's all the men? Why do we not see men standing up just as vocally, just as committed, just as passionately. Now, are there such Christian men? Of course, there's. there'd be millions, but still, you kind of wonder why do they seem to be either underrepresented or a bit silent, and why do women so often seem to fill in the gap? Uh, you ask why this is, why the churches are perhaps creating an environment in which men don't, or especially young men, don't really feel all that welcome. Well, uh, well, a great question, probably a number of answers to it. Uh, one, to the extent that the Christian gospel is being played down or traded for a bowl of porridge, right, traded for all the worldly wisdom and all the secular nonsense. You know, there would be, I'm quite uh, aware of, even evangelical churches that probably have more sermons on, you know, we have to fight toxic masculinity than they would be in celebrating, well, the difference in male and female, celebrating what it is to be a man and so on. So that certainly doesn't help when churches just run with the latest secular craze, which really does put down boys. But, well, look, uh, related to that, so many other things, right? The whole embracing of many Christians and churches of the homosexual agenda and now the trans agenda, 
this really is a war not just on family. It's a war on boys. It's a war on biology. It's a war on the way God made us with real sexual differences. So all that doesn't help. So I'm sure there's other good reasons we could explore, time permitting, but that's part of it. Simply the churches are too often following the world instead of leading the world, and that's why for many, a lot of young men really don't want all that much to do with our churches. Martin in Albany, thank you so much for a great question and, uh, Bill, for your response because it actually makes a pretty good segue into the portion of this message that I want to play for listeners. So the clip I'm about to play is just the last three and a half minutes or so of Jordan Peterson's message to the Christian churches. It comes from Daily Wire and you can watch it on YouTube. There is one light expletive in there. We're not prudish. I'm leaving it in. We'll continue our conversation after we have a listen in to this part of the message. This is Jordan Peterson, part of his message to the Christian churches. The Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, and perhaps even first and foremost, that they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, a land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love and without fear. Invite the young men back. Say literally to those young men, You are welcome here. If no one else wants what you have to offer, we do. We want to call you to the highest purpose of your life. We want your time and energy and effort and your will and your goodwill. We want to work with you to make things better, to produce life more abundant for you and for your wife and children and for your community and your country and the world. And we have our problems in the Christian church. We are moribund and sometimes far too often corrupt and sometimes deeply so. We are outdated as are all institutions with their roots in the dead, but still often wise past. So join us. We'll help fix you up and you can help fix us up. And together we'll aim up. And here's a message to those young men, skeptical about such things. What else do you have? You can abandon the churches in your cynicism and disbelief. You can say to yourself, narcissistically and solipsistically, the church does not express what I believe properly. Who cares what you believe? Why is this about you? Do you even want it to be about you? What if it was about others? What if it was about your duty to the past and to the broader community that surrounds you in the present? What if it was incumbent upon you and vital to your health and willingness even to live to rescue your dead father from the belly of the beast where he has always resided and to restore him to life? Once again, to the churches, Protestant, you're the worst at the moment. Catholic, Orthodox. Invite young men. Put up a billboard. Say, young men are welcome here. 
print some flyers and put them in a box by the billboard. Signal the existence of those flyers with an arrow with the words, more information about attending here. Tell those who have never been in a church exactly what to do, how to dress, when to show up, who to contact, and most importantly, what they can do. Ask more, not less, of those you are inviting. Ask more of them than anyone ever has. Remind them who they are in the deepest sense and help them become that. Your churches, for God's sake, quit fighting for social justice. Quit saving the bloody planet. Attend to some souls. That's what you're supposed to do. That's your holy duty. Do it now before it's too late. And the hour is nigh. Well, you can't deny their powerful words and reflection upon the Christian church and uh, very passionate. Uh, Bill Muhlenberg, let me just pick up on a few things that he said throughout his 10-minute clip. I mean, he says the Christian church is there to remind people, young men included, that they have a woman to find, a garden to walk in, a family to nurture, an ark to build, and land to conquer, a ladder to heaven to build, and the utter terrible catastrophe of life to face stalwartly in truth, devoted to love and without fear. Uh, Thoughts from you, Bill Muhlenberg, because some critics say, is this why the Christian church is here? Any thoughts here? Yeah, well, first, great clip uh, that you've picked, Neil. I'm glad you played it. And by the way, it does tie in very nicely with the question from Martin that we just heard. So it's well done indeed, providential. Uh, A couple of things can be said here. Uh, In my answer to Martin, I said, you know, where are all the men? But another thing I often speak about, write about, is where are all the heroes? Right? Where are those who will stand up and fight for what's right? Not only fight for their family, their loved ones, their wives, their children, but fight for their culture. Fight for what's important. Fight for what they believe in. Uh, Where have all the heroes gone? We seem to have as few heroes in our churches today as we do men. And sorry, but they do tend to go together. Sure, we, again, we can have heroic women, and we do. But we could use some heroic men, men who will stand up fearlessly, and they will fight for what they believe in. And they will yield the sword, not because they love the sword in itself, but they love the sword, metaphorically speaking, of course, for what it protects, right? They will engage in the culture wars. They will engage in public debates. They will do practical things, maybe even run for parliament, get on to talkback radio, you name it, not because they love controversy, not because they love to get in all these hot potato topics. I'm that way. I'd rather sit home, read a book. But I care deeply about my family. I care about my sons. I care about my decaying culture. I care about great things that are under savage attack. And I will stand up and I will defend what is good by God's grace and with God's help and hopefully with God's wisdom and love. 
But, you know, we are not telling that, uh, certainly our young men anymore, we're telling our young men, if you really want to be fulfilled, you ought to be more like a young woman. In fact, if you think you're a woman, you probably are. That is not helping anybody, and it's certainly not going to help keep our culture around much longer. We need men who will say no to the world around it and to all the PC nonsense, and will stand up and fight for what's right. So I love what Peterson said there. Yeah, find a wife, get kids, get a family, uh, cultivate your garden. Let's do some culture building. We're called not just to save souls, but to be salt and light and to have a culture that reflects the glory of God. So for those critics, Bill, who would say, is this why the church is here? And there is a focus on a gospel that needs to be preached and proclaimed to the nations. Uh, That aligned with the parallel of the cultural mandate of what Mm. follows, I often will say, in the wake of the gospel that brings that freedom, that liberty from sin, what follows that, of course, is the transformation. That's not just personal or within our family. That's also nations. So the mission of God, uh, he's reflecting something very powerful here uh, that we understand as a cultural mandate. Yeah, well, absolutely. Uh, The cultural mandate is what we find in Genesis 1 and 2. And this is before sin entered the world, right? So when God told Adam and Eve, our first parents, to be fruitful, multiply, take dominion over the earth, cultivate the garden, this really was a mandate for uh, not just... uh, Uh, Well, making nice, fruitful gardens, but really the creation of culture, the creation of civilization. It was expected that this would continue throughout the world, that we would build a godly culture for God's glory. So uh, this is something we as evangelicals often miss. We tend to say, oh, it's one or the other. Should we save souls or be salt and light? Well, What's wrong with both, right? What's wrong with the left wing and the right wing of the airplane, right? I wouldn't want to fly in a plane that has only one. And the gospel, it seems to me, as you said, is both the Great Commission and the cultural mandate. Both are part of what we're commanded to do. Peterson seems to have a good hint of this, at least. I wish more Christians would as well. We need to get out. Sure, we need to evangelize, save souls, but we also need to redeem what's still good about this culture. There's some good things. Everything God made, he said, was good. And some things today we can try to defend, try to protect, and not just dismiss everything and say, oh, it's just the world, I'm going to heaven, so it doesn't matter. Well, it does matter, I think. Who knows when the Lord returns? If he comes today, fine. But if he doesn't come for another hundred years, we've got a big job to do. And I think part of it is to defend some of these good cultural and social goods that have been under attack for so long. My suspicion, Bill, is when he says, you Protestants, you're the worst right now, is that Mm. his reflection is that Protestants are not taking up this cultural mandate and actually changing the world. He talks about churches in general. He says, we we have our problems in the Christian church, so join us. We'll help fix you up, and you can help fix us up. Uh, Together we'll aim up. Any thoughts here on uh, just an obvious, blatant, uh, between-the-eyes challenge to people to get back to church? 
Yeah, well, uh, somebody recently asked me about this very thing. Why did he seem to especially single out Protestants? I said, well, look, when he comes November, you can ask him, you know. But I think you're right, Neil. Um, Certainly evangelical Protestants have tended not to have a very good social and cultural view of things. We have tended to say, let's just get individual souls saved into heaven, and almost an odd view of that as well, a bunch of wispy figures strumming on a harp on clouds, and that's about it. Well, I think uh, we've missed a lot of the biblical message, not just the cultural mandate for here and now, but there will be a new heaven and a new earth. I think there will be more uh, culture, more civilization happening in the next life. We'll not be bored. We'll not be sitting around wondering what are we going to do after 10,000 years of worshiping God. Yes, we'll always enjoy to worship God, but that worship, just like today, find some expression in how we live our lives. God made us as whole persons. He made us with bodies, right? We're not just wispy souls, but we are whole persons, and we live in whole cultures, social, political, and so on. So God is concerned about every area of life. Uh, There isn't, in fact, any area of life that God isn't concerned about. Greats like C.S. Lewis and others spoke to this often, And I think we should take it seriously. When we're told to be salt and light, that means getting our hands dirty, rolling up our sleeves when marriage is under attack or human life is under attack or some great social good is being destroyed right before our very eyes. Hey, there's a place for Christians to get involved. Sure, that doesn't mean we stop telling people the good news of salvation, But we can do both. We should do both. So, again, I think Peterson is on to something here. And let's pray he becomes the whole package. Well, a straight shooter, he says, put up a billboard saying, young men are welcome here. More information about attending here. Uh, Is he, in fact, here stating the obvious? Perhaps we can talk about churches and say, Churches are almost invisible in some communities because they're almost hiding from the possibility that someone might bring a critique or someone might, you know, cast a glare at them and say, you know, here you are uh, useless in your activity in our town. But put up a billboard, Bill. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, well, why not? Uh, Again, so many churches are bending over backwards, trying to be as innocuous and harmless as they can. Oh, we want to, you know, make sure everybody in the world is happy with us. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to get anybody upset. So they end up with an anemic, uh, you know, absolutely useless gospel. In fact, it's no gospel at, at all. It's what Paul warned about. They're preaching a different gospel. Uh, if you preach the real gospel, well, guess what's going to happen? Well, Jesus got crucified uh, as he proclaimed the real gospel. The early disciples, almost everyone was killed as well. Church history is full of martyrs. If you start speaking truth, 
Sure, truth in love, but speak it forcefully without compromise. Guess what? That will attract people. You know, a mealy-mouthed, worldly gospel that tries to outdo the world in being, uh, you know, inclusive. And if you identify as a girl, sure, you are one. That's not going to win people. That's not going to bring people into the churches. But a church that stands solid on the Word of God and fearlessly proclaims the real gospel of God, which includes the whole person, I think that will really help turn things around. Bill, time's running short. One more important point to pick up on. He says, ask more, not less, of those you are inviting. Ask more than anyone ever has. Do we, as leaders in church life, ask too little of the people who are in the pews? And of those who are coming in, do we hope that they'll just settle for doing nothing? Uh, What are your thoughts around ask more, not less? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Simply go back to the Gospels. Right, Jesus said, "If you want to follow me, what did he what did he say? Uh, you know, be comfortable, have a good time, enjoy life." He said, "You know, pick up your cross, deny yourself." Uh, he even said, "If you love your family more than me, you're not worthy of being my disciple." He clearly laid out the costs of Christian discipleship. If you're not willing to give everything, don't even bother. Don't come. In that what have so many of our churches done today? The exact opposite. Oh, we'll try to make it easy on you. We won't lay any demands on you. We won't put a heavy word on you. So we got people coming in uh, as non-Christians, and they're leaving as non-Christians. They never were born again because they never heard the gospel of Christian discipleship. So praise God that God is using somebody like Peterson to give us a clarion call that, come on, truth hurts, but it's truth that we desperately need. Well, if you're talking discipleship, you need to ask more. Uh, that's a powerful concept to think about, uh, to uh, to digest, and and to think very deeply about how that affects each one of the churches that all of the listeners listening into our conversation today might be a part of. Christian cultural commentator Bill Muhlenberg's been our guest over this past hour. You can check out some of the articles Bill has been writing at BillMuhlenberg.com. Uh, or simply Google Culture Watch one word. Now, there's a couple of books, and uh, this has been, you know, I sort of tried to stay neutral through this hour on uh, giving uh, the okay or be cautious about Jordan Peterson. But let me mention these couple of books that are really rattling the cages of people around the world, making huge impact on especially young men. 12 Rules for Life, An Antidote to Chaos. It was published in 2018. It sold over 4 million copies internationally. The sequel is called Beyond Order, 12 More Rules for Life. It was released in March last year. And I did mention that he's coming to Australia. You can check out that, Google that, and find out if you can get to see Jordan Peterson. And remember uh, the wisdom from this conversation today. Uh, that when you are talking about a psychology of religion, that might not necessarily equate perfectly to our biblical understanding of what it is to be immersed in God's grace and with his mission and aligning to his image, because, of course, Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith. Bill Muhlenberg, 
wonderful insights today. Thank you so much for sharing those with us on 2020. Thanks again, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.